Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Losing loved ones brings great pain. For people who lose a family member to combat, that anguish is deepened when there's no information that allows them to put their loved one's remains to rest, and in turn, to recognize and honor their sacrifice at war. This Memorial Day, after decades of dogged research and investigation, 254 soldiers who died in battle will have their names added to the Vietnam War Memorial in the Court of Honor at Soldiers Memorial in St. Louis. Mark Sundlove is the director of the Soldiers Memorial, and he's managed efforts to help make these additions a reality. He's here in studio to talk with us about that. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Mark, for those who've not lost a loved one to combat, Memorial Day doesn't hold the same meaning it does for people who have experienced loss in that way. And this Memorial Day will be different from others. In what way is that true for you, given the work you and your staff have been doing? Yeah, I think we're extremely proud at Soldiers Memorial to finally be coming to the end of this project to recognize permanently and publicly uh, these 254 individuals from St. Louis City and County who gave their lives in the Vietnam War, um, both for the individual recognition, but also, uh, as you referenced, for the families who live with that pain and, and made equal sacrifices and have lived with uh, these challenges since they lost their loved one. So creating this space at Soldier Memorial for that permanent public recognition has been incredibly meaningful. Mm -hmm. We got the opportunity to speak with retired Colonel Patricia Blassie. Her eldest brother, Lieutenant Michael Blassie, is one of the fallen whose names will be added to the Vietnam Memorial in the Court of Honor. Michael was a pilot in the United States Air Force. He was killed in action in enemy territory. Patricia and her family spent decades trying to find information about Michael's death and his remains. And she's a member of what's called a Gold Star family. Those are the immediate family members of soldiers killed in battle. She shared with us what Memorial Day is for her and her siblings. For us, going into this Time as a Gold Star family, getting close to Memorial Day and remembering what it really means. It's not the beginning of summer for us. It's something we carry every day. And I feel very proud to be identified with all the other families who are Gold Star families who stand strong so that we can remember that our family members have a name. They had a life a very important life to us. And we can only imagine what it would be like if they were still living, but that's not the case. So sometimes it's even a cause where we just want to let people know that there's more to those who have fallen and who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. So we're very proud to be identified as a Gold Star family along with all the other families. 
As Patricia said, there are other Gold Star families who will have their fallen family members named in a meaningful way this Monday. And this is the first time any changes have been made to the Vietnam War Memorial in the Court of Heroes since it was installed at the Soldiers Memorial in 1979. A total of 254 names will be added after 44 years. Mark, why did it take so many decades for this to happen? Sure. I think there's a uh, probably maybe a couple parts to this answer. You know, one, in 1979, uh, it was extremely difficult uh, for those committees working on this project at that time to identify individuals. You know, unfortunately, the, the federal government doesn't have any way to, um, if you contacted them and, and requested a list of everybody who was uh, killed in the Vietnam War from St. Louis, they were unable to provide that. So it was a lot of grassroots work, uh, mm-hmm. solicitation of from veteran service organizations, from churches, uh, other organizations to, to submit names. And so that's part of the reason I think why they, they didn't, you know, weren't able to locate everybody, just the technology and the tools that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. Over years, that information is, has become more and more available. And what a tool that we had at our use was called the Defense Casualty Analysis System. This is essentially a public uh, online database that's searchable and you can locate these individuals much more readily than they could. So that advancement in the technology is certainly one way that that made identifying and locating uh, individuals from this area who died in the war much easier. Mm-hmm. Another thing is uh, the renovations that uh, Soldiers Memorial underwent in t- between 2016 and 18 went through a $30 million renovation. Mm-hmm. During that process, we were able to reconfigure that court of honor and create space for the additional panels. Uh, these they're rose granite uh, panels that measure approximately maybe three foot by six foot uh, in, in in area. And so when we reconfigured the court of honor, we were able to add additional panels. And now finally completing uh, the engraving of the names that we've been able to identify. So to some extent, then you were expecting to be able to add names there. Yes, we knew uh, we didn't have all the details, but during that renovation, we knew that uh, individuals had been missed Mm -hmm. and that that we were going to be dedicated to adding those individuals to Mm -hmm. the Vietnam War Memorial there. Retired Colonel Patricia Blassie, uh, she watched her family search for answers for 51 years. In May of 1972, they received the news that Lieutenant Michael Blassie's plane was shot down, crashed, and burned. Now, initially, they were told that there were no remains, and Michael's uh, Michael was labeled as KIABNR, which means killed in action, body not recovered. The family accepted that as truth for 26 years until Patricia and Michael's mom got a phone call in 1994 from a Green Beret with vague information about Michael's plane crash. That call galvanized the Blassies, who started looking deeper, and that led them to information that Michael's remains had actually been found and placed in the tomb of the unknown soldier in Washington, D.C., and that was in 1984. Um, That designation of unknown started a new fight for the Blassies, and that was getting Michael back. She was on a mission at that point. She was resolved to find him. She was like, I want to bring my son home. I want him to have his own tombstone. My brother George was like, he is a hero. He deserves to be known. And we confronted the United States government and said, this is important. And with the circumstantial evidence at that time in 1998, 
the government honored our request to disinter those remains to do DNA testing. They took my mother's blood so that she could identify her son and give her son back a name. Now, Mark, the Blasi family story may be unusual in some of its details, but the way they were in the dark for so long about their son and brother's remains isn't. You know, they were committed because of a direct personal connection. Insofar as what Patricia shared, how common is you know, the, the extent of their search and maybe how far they were willing to go? Well, certainly the, the POW, prisoner of war and missing in action legacy of the Vietnam War is one that's probably unparalleled. There's, a lot of that came from previous wars, but uh, there are families all across the country um, who, you know, whose, whose children were uh, labeled as missing in action, which means they, were, they went into combat, they didn't come out, but nobody really knows what happened to those individuals. And I think, you know, one thing that uh, the, the Blasi family and Pat- Patricia talks about is this, uh, this advancement in the DNA technology. And again, that kind of, so now when, uh, when remains are located, there is a way to, to test and, and identify, but it's, it's a tremendous process. There's a government agency dedicated just to this activity alone of of trying to identify and make matches with uh, remains that they have in their possession with um, with families here in country in the United States, and so it's uh, you know it's something that I have never lived through personally, but that that kind of unknowing and that that pain that comes with that is is really something that I can't imagine to have lost um, somebody not 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 to death necessarily, but to, to this unknowingness of what happened to them, left with no answers, uh, no explanation. Um, and it kind of leaves that, that, that gap open for grieving, right? And mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you help close that? It's yeah. certainly something that these families struggle and deal with. Mm-hmm. Now, you and your staff have been doing this work for a long time to make positive IDs and to connect with families who've lived without answers you know, for, for so long. Why have you personally worked so hard to do this? Yeah, well, once we had the, the list of the uh, 254 names of the individuals from St. Louis, we, we searched for those families and, and tried to let them know that these names would be engraved. And for me personally, you know, as a, as a veteran um, and just as a community member, um, I, I think that it's... Re- it's our responsibility as community members um, to honor and to remember uh, these individuals, uh, both on, on their personal level, but then also creating this space for families. And mm-hmm. So it's really a call to service, really, and a, a call to uh, me- meeting this obligation of doing all that we can um, for the service member who gave his or her life, but also for the families that are with us mm-hmm. still today. Is there an interaction that you've had with a member of a Gold Star family or even in reading some of the in, information about a fallen soldier that has really just resonated with you? I think all of them. You know, they're, they're all such unique stories. Um, another, uh, in our ongoing exhibition, Vietnam at War and at Home, we share the story of Ron Bozikas. And Ron was a St. Louisan who felt that call to serve his country. And he, um, he had done very well in high school, had achieved a, a full football scholarship to Kansas, and was, 
was enrolled in, in the university there at Kansas, uh, like I said, full football scholarship, and said, you know what, this is great, but I need, I need to serve my country. And he, he left the university, uh, enlisted in the service, uh, went to Vietnam, and, and was killed there. So it's this incredible story of a young man who, who answered that call and made great personal sacrifices originally, but then beyond that was eventually killed in action in Vietnam, mm-hmm. losing his life. And so Ron is, he's another one uh, whose name will be added to the uh, memorial uh, th- this year. And so finally getting that place for him as well, uh, that recognition, you know, that that's moving. And we've had... Um, uh, great connections with his family and, and speaking with yeah. them as well. Yeah. So what is it that people can expect this year at Soldiers Memorial, particularly on Memorial Day? Yeah, so start this uh, ceremony will begin at 10 a.m. Uh, we're incro- incorporating a, uh, the St. Louis uh, Red and Black Brass Band, which mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty excited about that. They're going to play some opening music and play the national anthem for us. Uh, we'll have keynote remarks uh, by... Uh, the director of the Missouri Historical Society, Jody Sal, uh, Mayor Tash- Tashara Jones, will be on site uh, providing remarks. And uh, uh, U.S. Army veteran Robert Folstone, who's been a great partner and friend of mine uh, through this process, uh, will be providing keynote remarks as a Vietnam veteran. <laughs> Following those remarks, we will read um, the 468 names that are now engraved on the memorial. Uh-huh. Those will be read by a combination of Gold Star family members, um, and Vietnam veterans who who lived through that experiences and, and lost friends in that experience. So, uh, we'll, we'll after the, the remarks and the reading of the names, we'll make a procession into the Court of Honor led by the the Red and Black Brass Band uh, to the uh, to the memorial where we'll, we'll be laying a wreath and uh, golden carnations there. Mark, in this last minute, is there something that you hope people, especially people who haven't lost someone to combat? will understand when they see these new and the existing names etched on the Vietnam War Memorial in downtown St. Louis? I think most importantly for me is that that spirit of service and that spirit of um, putting community and putting others uh, before yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the the importance of that and that, um, that message, if that message gets through that we're in this all together mm-hmm. and we need to support each other, and lift each other up, I think it'll be a very successful day. Mark Sundlove is the director of the Soldiers Memorial, which is located in downtown St. Louis. We'll have some information about uh, where uh, you can get info, that is, um, about what is happening this Memorial Day. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.